Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a West Side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio, home of the Cincinnati Reds, who have started spring training. All right, guys, if you found the show, do me a favor, hit that like and subscribe button, smash that thumbs up. I'm at 841 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you. So make sure you subscribe, hit the bell for the notification. So every time I go live, you know when I'm on. Now this show and every show is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, we're going to try to do some Reds conversation today. The internet kind of blew up yesterday. Reds country kind of blew up yesterday. When the video came out of Gino Suarez and Eugenio Suarez taking grounders at shortstop. And at first, I'm like, man, there's no way that guy can play shortstop. I'm like, no. Well, I was listening to Locked on Reds at work, and apparently Gino has lost a lot of weight, and he's in probably the best shape of his life. So I got to thinking. I'm like, okay, we don't really have a plan for shortstop. Not really. There's no guy that that's the shortstop, you know. So I was thinking, what if Gino could play shortstop? You know, and, you know, at least I would give it a shot and see what happens. If it works out and he can play, and with the shifts in baseball right now and how dumb these guys are and keep hitting into the shifts, you don't need a gold glove shortstop. You don't need a gold glove anything, honestly, in baseball anymore like you used to because the metrics and shifting and all that stuff, and for some reason nobody figures out how to hit the opposite way, so they stop shifting on them or bunning. So anyway, this was my thought process. Just say Suarez works out and you can play shortstop. You put him at short. What if you move Moustakis to third, which is his natural position? Then you can bring Senzel in and play second base. Again, his natural position. I know he's played center field, and I said they're not going to move, which I don't really know, or I don't really think any of this stuff is actually going to happen. It's just stuff to talk about. But if you do that, then that opens up the outfield. Because we got four outfielders right now. You got Senzel, Akiyama, Winker, and Cassianos. There's four of them, and all four of them want to play. So you put Senzel at second, Suarez at short, Moose at third. You got Akiyama in center every day, Jesse Winker in, in left, and Nick Cablastos, I like to call him, in right field. To me, that's your best offensive lineup you could put out there. And that's what I think the Reds need to do is try to get their best offensive lineup out there because – we struggled so much hitting the ball last year, and the pitching is going to be fine. I am not worried at all about our pitching, even even though we lost Trevor Bauer. We still have two top-tier starters at the top of the rotation in Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. And you don't want to watch out or look out for uh, Trevor Bauer. I think – or not Trevor Bauer. Um, uh, Trevor <laughs> – Tyler Malley, there you go. Tyler Malley, I think he is going to have a breakout year. So that gives you three. And now he's not going to replace Trevor Bauer at all. I'm not saying that. But he had a pretty good year last year. I mean, that's the reason he got the starts and Disco didn't down the stretch. You also have 
Hunter Green, who I'm not saying he's going to be in the majors next year, but he's not that far away. He's throwing at 102 miles an hour, which is great. So the Reds have pitching. I mean, the bullpen. I got this written down. I have to give credit. I got this off since I Reds rounding third and heading for home. Kyle Farnsworth, he, he put it up there. But this is the guys that I most likely would be in the bullpen. And this was their ERAs for 2020. Garrett, 2.45. Sims, 2.45. Anton, 280. 2.80. Sorry. Ramirez, 3.00. Bedrosian, 2.45. And Doolittle. Now, his is this is actually from 2019 because he didn't pitch a whole lot in 2020, but he's 404. Those, that's pretty good <laughs> as far as the bullpen goes. So our pitching, I'm not worried about it. So that's where I'm like, maybe you go out and you try to you know, out hit them. That's what you're going to have to do. I mean, because Bobby Nightingale tweeted out a quote from Gino says he feels like he could play shortstop, but it's out of his hands or out of his control. He says, maybe he'll get an opportunity to play some games in spring training. Now, my thing is why not try it? I mean, your other options are Kyle Farmer, who we know can play shortstop, but I don't think any of us actually believe that he's a starting shortstop. He's a very good pl- player, a great utility player. I just don't know if he can play shortstop every day. Now you got Strange Goodwin. Now he came up as a shortstop with the Dodgers. He moved to second because they already had a shortstop. Now he hasn't really played the the position position since 2013. He's going to turn 33 in April. Now, Barry Larkin, the Hall of Famer, knows a thing or two about shortstops. Larkin said, strange, quoting Larkin, strange Goodwin, I think it's coming from that situation. The situation means Seattle, where he didn't really get an opportunity to play much. He's playing all over the field, which is, I mean, that's good as far as the Reds go. He can play multiple, multiple positions. Getting back to Larkin's quote here. Coming into a situation where there's an open opportunity, meaning the Reds, we have we need a shortstop. Larkin, I truly think he could play shortstop at the big league level and be very good at shortstop at the big league level. He could also be very good at second base and center field at the big league level. He just said that's the kind of athlete he is. So I'm bring in uh, my boy Tommy here. He's joining the show today. Since uh, what's up, Tommy? Hey, it's Jeremy D. Good brother. What's going on? Just talking shortstops here with the the Reds, and I don't know if you got to hear all of it, but I but I'm coming around. I guess I, I don't love it, but I'm kind of coming around to the idea of Gino playing shortstop. You put a Moose at third base, put Senzel at second. And then that frees up the outfield. You got Akiyama in center, Winker in left, and Cassianos in right. I think that's the best offensive team the Reds could put out there. And they need to score runs. We have the pitching. It's, it's. I mean, even when we lost Bauer, we still have the pitching. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen the article about Gino, you know, taking balls short. And, you know, he only really had one full season as a shortstop, and that was with the Reds. That was his first year with the Reds. I think he played like 90 or 95 games, something like that. And his defense wasn't great, but you never know. 
Yeah, he 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 didn't do very good shortstop. I think he because I posted this on uh Cincinnati Reds Ronnie third heading for home, and somebody said he had like 19 errors. But the thing is, though, he wasn't that good of a third baseman either when he first started. I and mean, he's gotten better. He's still in a gold glove third baseman. But to be honest, if you look at our infield, we don't have a gold glover anywhere, I don't think. You know, so it's with with the the metrics and shifts and all that stuff. You know, I mean, shortstop. I mean, Gino played shortstop sometimes during the shift. You know, he it was Gino on the whole. You know, right side of the infield. So I mean, or left side of the infield. So I mean, they put him there. I mean, because these baseball players are sorry. I don't understand why they don't hit the opposite way. That drives me freaking nuts. But they don't. You know. So that's where I'm like, you might be able to hide him there. And I'm not saying every day. I mean, you got, like I said, you got Strange Goodwin, you got Kyle Farmer. And I, I at least just say you should at least try it and see what happens. If you can't do it, then go with Farmer or go with Goodwin, you know? Right. I agree. And, you know, my, my whole thing about it is you need to put the best nine players on the field. And you have to look at does the bad defense outweigh the good offense? I think in the Reds' case, it would at this point. You know, if you compare it last year, you know, everybody was screaming for offense. We wanted the offense. The offense wasn't there. So I'm more focused on the offense and seeing if Gino can play. If he can play it, like you said, put Moose at third. I'm still not for sure at Senzel at second, but, you know. Right. I mean, I, I don't – like I said, I'm not for sure of any of this. It's just – it's spring training and they – don't have a plan at shortstop. I mean, you know, it's a glaring hole. It was a hole last year. I mean, Freddie Galvis was extremely disappointing to me. I thought he was going to have a really good offensive year, but he didn't really do much. That's why Jose Garcia took his job. Now, the 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 ideal thing would be Garcia to be able to be our shortstop every day, but he he's a young kid. He didn't hit above double A, and he proved it last year. He can't hit. I mean – he does have a better glove, and it's one of those oh, yeah. situations where you can see Garcia come in. Like, you can start Suarez, or you can start D. Strange Gordon at shortstop, get your runs in, and then mm-hmm. when you want to play some defense, then you throw Garcia in later in the game. Right. And- yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. And, and it just – I don't – we can't go 22 innings and, and not score. And, and it, that's been – that's been the Reds' problem for – Years. I mean, we either it's like we either score. Like I remember Chris Welch saying this all the time. We'll score in the first or second inning, and then we just stop. And that's the part where I that where David Bell drives me nuts. And just the way they run the offense, they don't try to manufacture anything. You know, they don't try and hit and run. They don't. They, they barely steal. And Akiyama is a very fast guy. He they never let him. Well, hell, half time. Bell didn't even play him, which drove me freaking – and if he did play him, he put him down at the bottom of the lineup. I'm like, dude, you signed him to be a leadoff hitter. Why is he batting behind the pitcher? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, you know, my whole thing about Akiyama is, first, you got to see what you got. He was a solid player in Japan. You know, we all mm-hmm. seen him last year. He can be a good uh, player at Major League Baseball. A lot of people were concerned about his 245 average. I love his almost 360 uh, on-base percentage. Oh, yeah. I'm all about one-base percentage. And uh, I got a little interesting fact for you from last year. Uh, If you look 
if you take a strikeout to his plate appearances, not as a bat, mm-hmm. but as a plate appearances, I think he just had 183 last year. He struck out uh, 21.9% of the time. Now, let's put that in perspective. Back in, man, I can't, the year that Votto was injured a little bit, but he batted 337. Okay. Uh, he ended up having 474 bats that year, and Votto, Votto's uh, strikeout percentage was 22. Wow. So, you know, I know he only had 183 at bats. He doesn't strike out that much. That means he puts the ball in play. He walks. Mm -hmm. He gets in base. That's what you want. That's who you need to play. Right. That's why why David Bell drives. I mean, I was excited to see Akiyama. I wanted to see what he could do. Now, he didn't, even in his own words, he didn't have the year he wanted, which, I mean, you got to give the guy a break. I mean, honestly, you do. And I'm not trying to make excuses. These are just facts. He's coming over from Japan, first time playing Major League Baseball. You know, the pitching is different. It's better. It's, you know, it's the best league in the world. So you got to adjust to that. And then he comes over and he got the pandemic. So he doesn't even know, you know, he's in a completely different country. He doesn't really probably know. None of us knew exactly what was going on or when baseball was going to start or what they were going to do. And then David Bell, I don't think helped him out at all where he didn't show any confidence in him or by not, not starting. He didn't even start opening day. I, I can't remember who he had. I think he had Winker. I don't remember who he had out there, but he didn't even start him opening day. He pinch hit him. And, and, and then when he did, he put him at the bottom of the lineup. I'm like, that, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, if you sign this guy to be a leadoff hitter, and you and the one thing this offense needs is a guy like you just said, like a guy like Akiyama, like Shogo, to get on base, create havoc. Because the thing is, if you just go station to station baseball, and you come up one, two, three strikeout, one, two, three strikeout, one, two, three, I'll hit a home run. The, the, the pitcher doesn't. You're not making the pitcher work at all. You know the, this team lacks in working the count. I mean, the, the, I can't remember how many times it was it, they did not get to a full count. They would strike out on four pitches or whatever. They don't – that's one thing of this offense. They need to learn how to work the count, get on base, because they've proven they can't rely on the home run. They do hit a lot of home runs, but if they do hit them, usually nobody's on base. Right. And that's the big thing. you got to have runners on base. And it goes back – I know it wasn't a Reds manager, but Bobby Cox, you know, he had those mm-hmm. great – teams with Atlanta and his thing was he always looked for guys that could get on base. He didn't care how many home runs you could hit. If you get right. 40, great. But if you were above below a 350 on base percentage, he didn't want you. He didn't care how many home runs you hit because he wanted to create runs. And those teams created a lot of runs. Yeah, and that and that's the thing with, with metrics and everything now. Uh they 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 want the on base they they consider the on base percentage better than your batting average. Because they want people on base, which I, I agree with that part. I, I do think they need to have people getting on base. But once you're on base, I want you to do something, you know. And, and, and that 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 just creates chaos and creates and it, it just makes baseball more fun to watch too. I mean, it's kind of boring. I mean, I love baseball, but those playoff games, it was like you know, you know, chalk on a on a chalkboard, man. It was it was just yeah really really hard to watch i'm like how can we not score one freaking run it was a real bland playoff that's you know it was hard for me to even think of it as a real playoff with the expanded playoffs but i thought they would perform better 
in the playoffs and they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially well, say especially going into the last month of the season where they won what six out of seven uh, series. That's what got them in the playoffs. I mean, if the playoffs weren't expanded, they wouldn't even got in last year. You know, if it was a regular season, they would have not got in. So once they had that momentum and everything, and it all, and I'll, like I said, I, I've given Dave Bell credit on this. To me, it all started once he benched Vado. He benched Vado, and Vado came back and started playing better, and the team came with him, and they all started hitting a little better. They were actually moving runners over, and they were doing stuff I wanted them to do in those six out of seven series they won. And then they got the playoffs, and they just completely forgot how to do it, it seemed like. Yeah. It was like they just forgot to play baseball in general. They didn't know how to hit. I mean, and it right. goes back to you work, working the counts and, um, mm-hmm. you know, making that pitch work for it. And that's the big thing. You know, a pitcher could be up 2-0, and they know that they're going to be fine when it comes to the Reds because they're going to be swinging at anything and everything. I've seen them, uh, I've seen them swing at 3-0 pitches. Yeah. You know, 3-0, you should be automatically taken. And there's been some times, you know, he was talking about like a pitcher will throw it right down Main Street on 3-0. Mm-hmm. Well, they will. But then they got smart and they quit throwing it because they know the Reds are going to chase it. Right. Yeah. If you if you got the if, you know the the green light every time, then they're gonna throw it in the dirt. <laughs> the guys and the Reds are swinging at it. It's like, what are you swinging at? Now, I mean, I give Cassianos, I call him Cablastos. That dude is one of the best bad ball hitters that had a red uniform on that I've ever seen. I mean, he'll hit him two inches off the dirt and he'll hit him out. <laughs> so he 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 is a game changer as far as what he can do with the bat. Now he's also a game changer with what he can do with the glove too, because he's not very good. I mean, he's better than I thought he would be. And I know he's worked really hard at it because he does not want a DH, which that's not an option this year. They don't, they're not doing a DH. Uh, Carl's asking, will Winker still play left field? Yeah, I think that's still only place Winker will play is left field. So, but yeah. Do not put Winker field. No, 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 please don't. That's, that's, uh, did they put? I think they did last year, didn't they? They did. That's why. Yeah, it was. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah, I mean, now the one thing, if he moves Senzel out of center field, I mean, honestly, Senzel I think is our best defensive outfielder. So it hurts us there if you put him there. But I mean, it, it, the good thing too, if let's just look at it this way, another option. Say Strange Goodwin can actually get back to his. Uh, I think it was twenty. 17 season or no 2016 season where he he had a, a really a really good year and he can play shortstop and he can be your everyday shortstop you have the potential uh, this is how i like batting orders where you can have akiyama and strange good one hitting one two you know that if those guys can get on base and run around the base paths that sets everybody else up you know because what you want you want the when you have vado and suarez and and Cablastos, you want we want people on base so they can drive them in. Well, that goes back to the way what you were talking about, too, is working the pitcher. When you have hitters on base, especially with few outs and then scoring position, those pitchers tend to pitch a little different. Right. <laughs> I'm and, giving thumbs down to the dog. He, he said the Cubs are the best, so I had to give him a thumbs down for that. <laughs> with, Cub, with brother Cubs, ain't going to be that good at all this year, dude, for once, for a while. But sorry, go ahead, Tom. Well, what you're saying? Well, I can only laugh at that Cubs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. Exactly. Now, I'll talk. 
one thing I wanted to say, and I haven't really been on here. I've talked a lot about Strange Gordon. I'm one of the few fans that really like the move. I mm-hmm. really like them picking up uh, Gordon because he's a good utility guy. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. we're all hoping he can stop again. Barry Larkin, he thinks he can play shortstop again. And if Barry Larkin says you can play shortstop, then right. he probably can play shortstop. But I shared a video. I have to tag you in it. It was okay. back when he signed. I shared it in uh, the, the Reds uh, group, rounding third, heading for home. And mm-hmm. um, Gordon playing center field. And he robbed Mike Trout of the home run. Like he went up over the wall. And took it. You know, got yeah. It. So he's got to be loving the outfit. Oh, so yeah. That, again, that's just. Uh, yeah. I mean, one thing the, the Reds probably have in Farmer and Strange Goodwin have two of the best utility players in baseball. I mean, they, they can play. I mean, Farmer's ridiculous. He can play catcher. He's a catcher. He can play the outfield. I mean, he, I wouldn't put him in center field, but he can play left field. He can play third, short, second, first. He can play anywhere. He even pitched a couple times last year. So, I mean, you got him and you got Goodwin. I mean, that's as far as our bench goes, you know, which, I, like I said, I don't know if those guys would be bench guys. I mean, David Bell is probably going to mix and match. And, you know, he's – I call him the mad scientist, and he likes – he doesn't like keeping anybody in a comfortable position. He likes moving the batting order around and moving them in positions and stuff like that. So, I I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see him. And to be honest – when they signed Goodwin, <laughs> I, I I forgot who he was. To be honest, I'm like who? I'm like who did they sign? I had to look it up. Like oh, I forgot about him. I'm like yeah, he's. I said it, it's it's not. I agree. It's not a bad signing because what do the Reds have to lose? I mean, if he makes a team, he's only making a million bucks. Which I mean, you know, I make a million dollars doing this show all the time. So you know, it's, it's easy for me to say that. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Well, if you're making a million dollars doing the show, where's my cut, man? Yeah, exactly. Brother, if I ever made a million bucks, I, I'd give you a cut. <laughs> now, let's see. Yeah, Crown says Barry Larkin can play for the team. I would love that. Go ahead, Tommy. What? Sorry. You know, I'm going to give him that. I'm going to give him that. I think he can. I think Larkin's in really good shape still. And honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he could go out there and bat 290 or above. <laughs> he might. I mean, <laughs> The, the, the thing is, these, these guys who are Hall of Fame players, they keep themselves in shape. You never know. I mean, I wouldn't say he can do it every day, but <laughs> he might be able to no. do it for a couple, couple of days a week. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, to be honest, what I hope happens is I hope Barry Larkin's wiggling his way in to be the manager next year is what I hope is happening. I don't know how, how you feel about this time, but I am not a, a, a David Bell fan. I, I, just, I don't – I mean, I love his family – uh, Buddy Bell was a great red. Well, I always say great red, but he's a good red. And and I, I like David. I always kind of wanted him to come play for the Reds. And I was very excited that he became the manager because I always like Cincinnati guys, you know, being with the Reds and all that stuff. It's a hometown guy. But two years of this, I'm like, ah, you you just like screwing with everybody. I think. Yeah, when he got signed, I thought it was a logical signing. You know, he brought modern baseball in the modern analytics in right i like what he's doing but i just like the execution of it and where you were t- calling him the mad scientist which actually fits perfect for him um, i don't like all this mix and matching because you know people are like well you're a big leaguer you're supposed to go out there you should be able to perform on demand but the thing about it is 
you got a guy playing here one day, here the next, the bench the next, here, mm-hmm. then here. Mm-hmm. That's going to mess with his head. That's going to mess with his head, and that's going to also mess with his swing, too, because, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. One of the things they say is the hardest thing to do is pinch it. When you haven't played in a day or two, and you come in and you try and pinch it, that's one of the hardest things. And, and I'll, I'll argue this with anybody. The hardest thing to do in sports is take a round bat and hit a round ball with it and make it go straight. It's extremely hard to do. And if you're moving guys all around the, the batting order, in and out of the lineup, they can't get any consistency to their swing or to, you know, where am I playing today? Or I mean, I'm, I'm not saying you keep everybody in, the, in their position every single day. But at least a little bit of continuity would help because I mean, Lou Pinella in the night in the ninety team, he would move guys around a, a lot and give days guys day, days off, which you need days off. It's one hundred and eighty two games, but not every freaking day have a different lineup and a different batting order. It's just like have something, some kind of continuity in there. The batting order is what really bothered me the most. Um, I didn't really mind, you know. People were hollering when Bado would bat first. You know when he, well when he bat lead off or when he bat right. second. A lot of people were upset with that. I didn't mind at first. I was just like, hey, whatever it takes to get somebody on base. And I understand the logic there. Votto still, even though his average was down, he was still one of the top guys in on base percentage. He was trying to create base runners. Mm-hmm. Now I don't think you really want Votto your lead off runner, right? You know because right. you know he just doesn't have the speed anybody else right. does. <laughs> But, but you know, I got it. But there's a time when, you know, the old Kenny Rogers song, you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold Right. And that's what he has to do. He has to fold He has to dump it. All right, this ain't working. We're going to go something else. But stick with it for a while. Yeah, I mean, the, just the, because it doesn't work one day doesn't mean it's not. Right. Well, I mean, the, the whole thing with Vado leading off, I mean, I understood stood it with the on-base percentage, but it kind of reminded me of, of uh, one of the great, uh, managers in Reds history, Bob Boone, when he would let, lead Adam Dunn off. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm sorry, Bell reminds me more of Bob Boone than anybody else. And Bob Boone was a god awful manager. I'm going to give anybody that comes with the Reds, you know, that's just the type of fan I am. Anybody that comes in, I'm going to give them a shot. I'm going to be like, hey, I like what you did before. Yeah, you deserve to come in. And, you know, after a season, if things don't go well, I'm going to defend you a little bit. But after last year, I'm starting to question Bell a little bit, you know, which goes back to will Barry Larkin be the manager? I don't know. Some people want him. Some people don't. Yeah, I, I would love I would love Larkin as manager. I was banging that drum last year for Larkin to be the manager. I just – I I mean, he, he – well, it wasn't longer we had he was managing the wasn't the Cuban team, it was the Dominican team in the World Baseball. No, it wasn't. It was a lower. I can't remember who it was, but he was managing, and I think he was trying to get his management skills up there or whatever. So it looked like he was interested in doing it, and then he yeah, he's. Hmm. Go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, he was in. I don't. Some strange reason I want to say Brazil. I don't have a way to look it up right now because, you know, I'm using my phone, right. you know, here to stream. But I'm wanting to say it was one of those Dominican or South American teams. And, uh, you know, he did manage, and I liked what he had. 
I like Larkin more as a developmental coach. Yeah, I yeah. think he would make a great minor league coach. Mm-hmm. Really, but a great major league coach, I don't know. He does lack experience. Yes, and I and I see that argument against him. But a lot of teams are going with um, coaches that don't have a lot of experience. Look at the right. Phillies when they went with Gabe Kapler. Now it was outright disaster. Yeah. but he was a, uh, you know, they're not really looking at that experience they're looking for whoever can come in and get a spark in that team and get some wins right i mean i mean look at look at david ross for for the cubs he went from what sunday night baseball right right into the manager position so it's happening a lot they, that's i mean well david bell didn't really have uh managing he never managed anybody anywhere so i mean it you know it's it's he had front office and scouting and you know he had, had different stuff like that but there's lots of guys that they're bringing in right from the tv booth right down to the to, to the manager's office. So it, it's a new thing that they're doing in baseball. And it, sometimes it works. I mean, Bob, uh, was Bob Branley, he was the uh, uh, manager for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks in 01. And he, he came right from the TV booth down and they won a world series. I mean, it ha- has worked. And uh, like Joe Torrey, but Joe Torrey had managed before, before he came out of the booth. But yeah, that, that's, that's the, the new baseball thing. And, and, the thing that I don't like, uh, I, I'm okay with the analytics. I just want a mixture of both. You, you can't just, I don't think you can just go all analytics all the time because it's baseball is different. Every game is different. Every situation is different. Just because, you know, the, the numbers say do this doesn't mean that's right. Cause I mean, for some reason, the numbers are telling them to hit directly into the shift and not hit down the field where it's, you know, wide up down the left field or right field line. I have no idea. I mean, because okay, say they they like on base percentages. If you butt the ball down the third baseline and they can't get it, you're on base every single time, and that gets your on base percentage up. So that's where I I don't understand it's that part. Of the huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just saying, you know, if you're speedy and you butt it down the line, you make it get a double out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy Hamilton could have done that <laughs> as fast as he could run. We just need to teach that guy how to bunt. Oh, I would. I, I don't understand why he never got taught how to bunt. I, I don't. I don't understand that at all. Um. Okay, Carl says, "Do you want Garrett to be the closer?" Uh Yeah, I, yeah. I would like that, but David Bell is not going to do that. I, I mean, he's not. He. Um, he, like I said, he's going to be the mad scientist. He's going to mix, match, you know. He's going to – that's what David Bell wants to do. And and I don't think David Bell was good for Iglesias. Iglesias, I think, was more consistent when he'd come in on the, just the ninth inning, you know. Come in, get three outs. 90% of the time, he'd get it done. But David Bell, they'll do analytics. Oh, you know, the toughest inning might be in the seventh, which they're, they're right. I mean, I, I agree with that. But if a guy who's – Establish himself as coming in the ninth, and he's mentally prepared to come in the, at the ninth, and then you bring him in the seventh. You can see Iglesias wasn't prepared to do it, and Iglesias couldn't go more than two innings. So, yes, I like Garrett as the closure, but I don't think Bell is going to do it. <laughs> you know? I would like to see him there, too. I really think that they have a um, – I think they've built up a solid bullpen. I really have. I like the additions of Duke. And also like the addition of uh, uh, Bedrosian. 
or the Georgian, yeah. I'm I'm going to struggle with that name. <laughs> well, you know, his, yeah, I always struggle with Steven. Yeah, exactly. That's that was his yeah. dad. Now, uh, Kyle Farnsworth on a rounding third, yeah. heading for home. Yeah. He he gave a uh, the ERA of the uh, 2020 uh, bullpen, and he added Pedrosian and and uh, Ramirez. But Garrett said 2.45. Sims is 2.45. Anton 2.80. Ramirez 3.300. And Pedrosian 2.45. I mean, that's a solid bullpen. And Sims, Sims is another guy they could use as, as a potential closer. It is. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, that's what I'm, about. I'm excited about them building a solid bullpen. I'm not as concerned this year about them, you know, being able to hold leads. Mm-hmm. I'm more, well, obviously, we're all more concerned about them getting a damn lead, right? You know, <laughs> with right. the offense, but um, I bullpen is really good. I really think that the rotation is not going to be that bad. No, that, that I've said that too. I mean, I, I've never, I wasn't fooling it myself. I never thought we were going to keep Bauer, but I mean, you got Gray Castillo. I think Tyler Maui is a potential to be our, our, that third starter. I think he can have potential for a good, a good year. You got Michael Lorenzen, who I think wants to start. Um, and um, there's another one I'm thinking, of. but I mean, they they they're going to have. I think at least five to six guys who can start and be very consistent at it. Yeah, they do. I do like this uh, rotation, and I like the bullpen. And that's another reason why I like the uh, Lorenzen starting, and there's no DH. I don't think he's an everyday hitter, like, you know, when they would play with Lorenzen out in the outfield and all that. But, you know, he's got good power. But now we're going to get a see Lorenzen in there, so – when the pitcher comes up to that, when it's Lorenzen, it's not pretty much a guaranteed out. Right. You actually have to pitch to Lorenzen because he'll take. Yeah, exactly. He, he he's he's another one who's just an absolute freak athlete, and he, I mean, he's another guy. I mean, Lorenzen, he could, he could start. He could long relief. Hell, he could close for you. So I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with him, and. Like I said, the mad scientist, uh, David Bell, I doubt he's going to have Lorenzen start because he wants in that bullpen so he can do put him wherever he wants. You know, Bell likes that option. Yeah, it is good when you have a lot of guys that you can move around. And it's not just Lorenzen, that pitcher, but, you know, if you look at this roster, there's a lot of guys that can play both infield and outfield. You got a guy that can play shortstop. You got a guy that can play second. You got a guy that can go from shortstop to center field or to the outfield. There's a lot of versatility on this team. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think if the Reds can consistently score runs this year, which is a which I mean, I'm sorry, it's a big if, <laughs> you know, because when you go twenty, you go three games in the most important three games of your season, you don't score at all. It's a concern, and that's I think that's in their heads. So. It, it's it's a it's that's the biggest concern to me is can they score enough runs because even in the playoffs our bullpen and pitching staff was right there with Atlanta you know we we could have easily won all three games if we could have scored <laughs> and that's what we're gonna run into this year we have to score we have to score consistently and get that lead and get it you know let our pitching staff take over.
Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing we have to do, too, is get that lead and get that lead early because the Reds pitching staff actually pitched a lot better when they were when when they were trying to hold that pick come in. Even you know, I've seen that with Sonny Gray. He had a couple of rough games last year, and they were when he was coming from behind. Mm-hmm. And you know, when these pitchers from behind, they get a little desperate, and then they start taking more risk. And then usually the game something can happen, and the game just gets blown wide open. And we're like, oh well, that guy's sucks he shouldn't be here and all that and that's not the case the case is um they just have to get the offense going you know what was it what was it with cobra kai strike first oh mercy or was it strike <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know i just hope they just have a, the, the key to this whole thing is they got to figure out somebody <laughs> to play shortstop on a somewhat consistent basis and they got to be consistent offensively and if that stuff doesn't happen, then we're in for a long season, I think. And David Bell will not be the manager the entire year. That's <laughs> what I think. Yeah, so I guess it's I guess it's kind of a bittersweet situation. If if you don't like Bell and they don't perform well, at least you know he's most likely gone. The David Bell project <laughs> will be over and you know the Reds will move on but but no um, he may come out and he may do a lot better this year and we were talking about the analytics earlier and that's one thing I hate because when you go straight on the analytics every time you get very predictable and they were they were as predictable as the first series with Detroit or I'm sorry the second series with Detroit they got very the Tiger scouting was on point because every time the Reds hit it, when any line drive, they were right there. They scouted them perfect. They knew exactly what the Reds was going to do. They knew what Bill was going to do in certain situations because all they did was just follow the same analytics. And they didn't go by the same analytics. They just seen those analytics that, that you know, be like, all right, well, this is what this guy's going to do, so we're going to do this. So I'm – I'm totally with you and not doing the analytics every single time. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's, and that's annoying. It's a little bit. Right. I mean, it's, it's absolutely drives me nuts when I see the shift and they hit right into it. I mean, it, it just, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know why they do it. I don't know why they're so stubborn to not they're get. I mean, they're literally giving you a base hit. Just, and, and the thing is, you know, Guys, like guys, like if you're trying to, if a guy's on second base or whatever, or, or yeah, guys on second base, you're trying to pull the ball to right field to get him to third. You're consciously trying to do that, or you're trying to hit it the opposite way to get it to right field to get the guy from second to first. So they're major league baseball players. They try to hit the ball to different fields. So I understand when the shift is there. Why are they not trying to hit it to where they're not, you know, or bun it or something? I just I don't. I don't get it. I, I don't know why they are so stubborn to hit it right to where all the fielders are at. And sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't because if it, if if they got hits out of it, the teams will quit doing it. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. You know, they, everybody would go in that shift because, like you said, you know they'll just stay right with it. And it drives me nuts too, man, because – it's real simple. If you want to hit, the, if you're right-handed batter, you want to hit it to left. 
swing early. You want to hit it to right, swing late. And another thing you can do to help that out is change your stance. If you want to hit it to left field, open your stance up a little bit. If you want to hit it to right field, close your stance up a little bit. You know, this is basic stuff that we know about, and you're just like, you're a Major League Baseball player. How come yeah. you don't know this? Or if you're a hitting coach, how come you don't know this? And just let me know if everybody's sitting there and shifting to the right on Votto, and you're just like, you know what? Yeah, he's right. a full hitter. Sorry, there ain't nothing we can do. That's just an instant out. No, that's yeah, one thing I'll we'll get back to Votto here. You're talking about the on base percentage. I saw this on MLB Network that he is, I think, he's at least in the top five, either all time or for current players uh, as far as on base percentage goes, which is as long as he's been playing, that's that's ridiculous. That's really good. Yeah, he's. He's always been a master of getting on base. And even last year when he didn't have a very good average, he still got on better than almost anybody else on the team. And that's one thing that, you know, I went, I preached about, you know, that part of the show is that on base percentage. I always love a guy that can get on base. And it's changed a little bit for Votto, in my opinion, because one thing that he's done in the past goes back to what you said. He always mm-hmm. worked the pitcher. He would draw walks. He would get right. on base that way. He can still draw walks, but it's like he's getting a little more anxious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And that's where I, I don't think David Bell is good for him. I think David Bell, I Votto gets it in his head too much already. And I don't think David Bell helps him at all. I think David Bell's like, yeah, yeah, think more. Maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do that. Maybe you should. Dude, Tony Perez, one of the greatest home run hitters ever. Hall of Famer, see the ball, hit the ball. All right, Tommy, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to let you go. Your internet is going in yeah. and out and in and out and in and out. So, I'm, I'm gonna let you, let you jump off here. But I appreciate you always. jumping on, brother. As always. Yeah. All right, as always, I appreciate Tommy jumping on when he can. Now I want to get to um, my Bearcats. They're playing tonight at nine o'clock on ESPNU. Playing Tulsa. Now, this is the 43rd meeting between Cincinnati and Tulsa. Cincinnati leads 29 to 13 overall. They also lead 18 to 3 when it's played in Cincinnati and 10 to 8 when they played in Tulsa. Now, Tulsa leads when it's on neutral floor 2 to 1. The last time we met them, they beat us 70 to 66 when we were going through our rough span at the beginning of the season. So we'll find out what this team is made of after the beatdown they got from Houston. They were never in that game. And I know people can't stand it. People want to fire Brandon. It's this fault. It's that fault. I've said this before. Houston has at least five fifth-year seniors, which is a rarity in college basketball today to actually have one fifth-year senior. They have, like I said, they have at least four or five of them. And they have multiple guys off the bench who can score and have been in that program for four years or more. UC has, well, actually, they all, none of these guys have been in the, the, this program, this system for more than a year and a half. None of them have. Except for maybe Chris Vogt. He might, he might, yeah, he, I take that. He might be the only one 
And he has been so up and down this year, kind of like the Bearcats are. It's been very frustrating to watch. I know Bearcat fans. But trust me, I am frustrated watching this team. But you got to look at the good things. Michael Davenport, I think, is really starting to become the player that they had hoped he would be. Zach Harvey was becoming that player. It really irritates me that he left, but he's. I, I sounds like he's transferring. And he, the biggest thing from what I've heard from Terry Nelson stuff is that Zach wanted to start. And you, not everybody can start. If you can have that guy to come off the bench and score, that's a good thing to have. And that's what the Bearcats had with Zach Har- Harvey. And he was playing minutes like a starter. Anyway, my point to hold this whole rant is I am not ready to give up on John Brandon yet. I think he's a good coach. I like the way the offense looks, and I can see what he's trying to get them to do. The defense, I am a little suspect on. I don't. I want them to tighten that up more because that is one thing that UC is known for is tenacious, hard defense. And when it's there, but when it's there, it's when we do a full court press and you can see it. And that looks like Bearcat defense to me, except for when they break it and they go right down the middle and dunk on us, which happens from time to time. But again, a bunch of freshmen, a bunch of sophomores, only been in the program for a year and a half. Typically, it takes about four years to really get your program set to where you want. Now, if you guys remember back when Mick Cronin came here, he wasn't like, everybody wasn't like, oh, great, we got Mick Cronin. You know, we came out of the Huggins years. And there was nothing for Mick. And it took a long, long time for Mick to get the program to where it was when he left. It, he didn't fix it in two or three years. He didn't fix it in four. It was probably like six. I mean, like seriously, the last year of the Big East, the Bearcats actually made it to the championship game. And we lost to, I think, Syracuse, if I remember right. That was the first real year that I'm like, okay. We're finally on you know the right track, and that's like what 2012. That's where I felt that Mick got us back to close to where we were at. And he took over in 2006. So it took Mick a while. It wasn't like we jumped into being a juggernaut. Brandon's in his second year. We got COVID issues. They couldn't even finish the year last year. They didn't know when they're gonna practice, if they're gonna play, when they're gonna play. Everybody just needs to calm down. Now, like I said, if it's like this next year, then I will be a little more like, okay, maybe we should maybe move on from John Brandon. Now, I, I get people get on here and say we should have hired Nick Van Exel. And I love Nick Van Exel. But he's never been a, college, a head college coach that I'm aware of. Now, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But I don't know of him being a head coach. I know he's assistant, has been assistant coaches before. John Brandon was already, was already running a program a D1 program at NKU and a very successful program. So that's where I, people want to take Nick because he's Nick Van Exel. He's a member of the final four team. And I'm not saying Nick wouldn't be a good, good guy to, to do it. I'm just saying we have to give John Brandon a chance and hopefully they'll turn it around tonight versus Tulsa. Make sure you guys watch it, 9 o'clock, and we're actually on regular TV. We're not on ESPNU, or excuse me, ESPN Plus. We are on ESPNU, so we can check it out. It's a little later. I might have to take a nap so I can stay up and watch it. (laughs) 
But I hope that they do good and they win tonight. We need to get a win and at least go in, get some momentum going into the American Athletic Tournament. Because we're all we're getting into the NCAA tournament is to win the tournament. I highly doubt that's going to happen, but hopefully we'll at least get into the NIT. Anyway, I think I'm going to roll on out of here. I appreciate Tommy joining me today. And I'd like to give a shout out to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And I invite you guys all to join there. Hootay Nation, Ohio State Bucknuts, Cincinnati Reds, Rounding Third, and Heading for Home. And then you can join my groups. They are Bearcat Ruckus, The Ice Bar. It's just a show page that I do. Me and Jeremy do a lot of silly memes. Viewers do silly stuff on there. Post interesting things. Post wrestling stuff. Lots of different things on there. It's, a, it's just a cool interactive uh, group. And then you can follow me on the rest of my social media platforms. All under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out the podcast later on tonight if you missed the show. Like, rate, review. Give me a five-star review. I'll be on Bean Pod, Apple Pod, Podcast, iTunes, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. YouTubers, we're holding steady at 841. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Let's try to get that rolling, get to 1,000 as fast as we can. And other than that, as Jeremy D would say, remember one thing and one thing only. You don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? Go Reds. David Bell, please don't screw this up. Don't be the mad scientist. Be a normal manager. That would be wonderful. Other than that, that's just sports, baby. See ya! <laughs>